What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Now, if it's your first time coming to hang out, let me just lay out what's going to go down so we can all be on the same page for the episode. The name Buds, Bros, and Superheroes acts as a placeholder for the topics of conversation we're going to be having today. In the Bud section, we have some information for traveling the green. Uh, this week, our guest back today, I won't bury the lead, guys. Let's all give a warm welcome to Daniel from the Reasons I'm Broke podcast. Please, Daniel, say hi. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me back on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Really happy to be here. We are happy to have you here. But as not a traveler of the green yourself, this is the section in which it's going to be a little bit different than what we've been doing normally. But I do have some fun plans. Stick around for the whole time to listen to that. In the bros section, we are going to be talking about more podcasting. You know, I called my last Daniel on the show, Danny G, called him the guru of the ganja. You, Daniel, are my guru of podcasting. You're my number one peer who I look at and like, what are they doing? And, you know, kind of flattery or imitation is this form of flattery i think it is you know not kind of steal what you're doing but like what is he doing and how can i do something his way i hope you take that as a compliment <laughs> yeah that's awesome thank you man i appreciate that oh i appreciate you your friendship everything that we've been doing podcasting wise this whole time so i wanted to talk more about podcasting and different things and then finally in the superhero section i was just on your podcast go check that out everybody and we started talking a little bit about the animated justice league and then the follow-up to that the justice league unlimited and I liked free flow and talking about that. So we're just going to be talking about a little bit more of the Justice League animated brought to you, of course, by the DC animated universe of the Timbers. For those who know, my name is Nick James. We have introduced Daniel. So that means we are perfect to start this episode of Buds, Bros and Superheroes the way that we always do in the Bud section. So like I kind of stated a little bit earlier, it's going to be a little bit different. I wanted to talk about etiquette. You know, I don't want this to be a giant do and do not list, but just different things, maybe fun or funny stories that I've experienced only in a month of working at my place that you have had. I don't know how. How long have you been in the business of being in comic books, sir? We'll start there of that. Almost 10 years. Uh, March of 20 or March of next year will be 10 years. That's amazing. So I'm sure in 10 years you can definitely help fill up this section of talking about maybe some first time tips that you have for anybody who enters your store or anybody who enters mine or some constant behavior that you wish you can just eliminate. Again, not trying to point fingers or make anybody feel small or little or trying to make anybody feel bad, I mean, but just kind of shooting the shit of everyday life of dealing in the world of customer service, sir. It's wonderful, no? <laughs> it's uh it's one that i'm yeah i'm a little bit i don't know if covid has kind of tipped that over for me but i could go for just even this year because things have changed so much in the comic industry and the card business tcg magic pokemon it's just kind of weird how even just this year alone i could fill up this section with just those behaviors because it's really a whole different customer base it's not the same people anymore a lot of ebayers a lot of collectors and i don't know if things have changed at the dispensaries i'm sure it has the whole world has changed ever since the covid closure so it, i'd be curious to see as well what kind of extra traffic you might be experiencing or what kind of little changes or ticks you've you've noticed in the time you've been there i've definitely noticed you know we've all we are very small place as it is so if people start coming in in droves i don't know like you can once again we'll kind of compare notes of you ever notice that like it's dead until it's not which kind of seems dumb but like all of a sudden you can have nobody 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 and then like four or five people hit the door at once and you're just like 
the fuck is going on right now? Like, do you come together, guys? <laughs> I still haven't figured that out. And I don't know if it's because the lights change at the same time. So everyone just happens to show up at the same time. I don't know if it's a lunchtime thing right after people eat. I've noticed there's this weird curse or this weird thing where if it's been dead for a while, however, however amount of time, and I go, okay, I think I'm going to go take my break. I think I'm going to go work on this project now. I think I'm going to go start this. That's when people start showing up. So now I'll fake go on break and then it'll get busy. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> I don't know why, but it works. That's fucking hysterical. I'm totally going to take that. So at our place, you can kind of think of a dispenser here for medical marijuana as some across between a pharmacy and a bank of sorts. So there's a lot of uh, fob keys, you know, like those like inside my little name tag. It gives me access in and out of doors and I have to come collect the patient, and bring them back. And there's glass up and all this stuff. So I want to stop there on the glass to say that that glass needs to be cleaned all the time. <laughs> So there's a glass, two like two glass doors to come in, a second glass door that stops that door, a third glass door that stops that door from that door, and then multiple panes of glass up to talk through. Constantly have to be wiped down, and I'll say to myself, "All right, I'm gonna wipe those down," but then it's gonna get busy, and I'll do what you say, and I'll fake myself, like, "All right, I guess I'll go wipe the glass down now," and I'll look around, and nobody will come, and then by the time I wad up all the paper towels and grab the Windex. Six people hit the lobby and you're like, damn, <laughs> every time, <laughs> every time. It's crazy, isn't it? So, so are they just are they grabbing the the glass there? They're touching it. They're putting their face against it. What's going on? Yeah, it's a lot of that because we can't really show you anything except behind glass. So mm. I'll put it up to the glass and then sometimes people just bounce their foreheads right off of it, trying to look really close. <laughs> now. I, on the other side, once or twice starting out, I did the same thing to try to get my face close enough to the little hole to talk out of. I'll bounce my fucking forehead off that thing, too, and I'll just be like, damn it, and then I'll have to go and clean it. Yeah, well, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, it doesn't surprise me too much. Uh, you notice in Chipotle, they'll have the signs of, please do not reach over and point. You can just point right there, and people still do it. They'll reach over and say, I want some of this. I want more of that. So it's... It's a weird thing where I, I don't know. I guess people do need those barriers, physical barriers, because we're we're like cattle. We're going to fucking run into shit. We're going to test it. We're going to figure it all out. If, if it can break, we'll break it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel there. So I kind of like, you know, in terms of communication, it is hard to get through there. But I do like that little pain of just like, no, 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 I'm on this side. I'll show you it through the here. Just look right here. Because you're right, yeah, when they start coming in in droves like that, it's just like, all right, got to keep them all occupied and can't get them in big groups. One thing I'll add to my side of not necessarily etiquette, but something I've also noticed, you reminded me with the glass and cleaning them and everything is you you have to try, I have to try to make the store customer proof. And what I mean by that is whenever we have a new display, we'll kind of pay attention to that display. We'll see one, if people are looking at the products on there, if they're even noticing it or if they're walking by it, but also how often they run into it, whether they get caught on hooks or the glass cases they run into all the time. Most recently, we got in these posters that are folded out. They are basically shrink-wrapped against cardboard, and that makes them more sellable to the customers because they see the whole thing and they can just grab it and they can pay for it and go. They don't like the rolled-up posters. We noticed that and we got rid of that display. So we got a kind of an overstock of them, but I wanted them all displayed. So I put them up near the pop section, kind of the section opposite from the pops. And I'm like, all right, that'll be a good spot. Let's see if they're spotted. And people were noticing them and buying them and great. But now I've noticed that they run into them and knock them all over 
kind of every single day. So I'm like, all right, that's not customer proof for whatever reason. And I've walked by it. I've like tried to figure out how they're running into them and I still don't know. So that's one of those things where it's like, all right, that's not going to work because everyone, it's not just a one-time thing. People just for whatever reason, keep running into those posters and knocking them all over. So it's, that's another thing of just the weird behavior of traffic of people in the store. They all kind of behave the same and they all get caught on the same things. It's very interesting and just kind of had me spinning off there thinking about what PA will do if we go recreational. So right now, per the Department of Health, if you were to go to a recreational state, Daniel, and be out there and you wanted to look at the product you're about to, on the floor, there are usually jars that are permanently sealed, if not locked. And then also kind of like inside of a store that you see a gaming system, it's also like attached with that little wire. So, yes, you could pick it up. But eventually it needs to resettle itself back in its holder. But you can at least pick up the flower, open it or not op- like open the a little thing on it to get your nose up because a lot of people want to smell and there's magnifying glass. What I'm saying is you can actually see the flower before you buy it. And PA doesn't do that because mm-hmm. it's medicine and it doesn't want to be in that gray area. You know, it's just not allowed. So what I'm thinking is if we ever do go that way of just exactly what you're talking about of like. How are we going to make that customer proof of just making sure? Because I cannot imagine how many people are just going to walk up, grab something and not like, and I'm not saying try to steal it, but just have it in their hand and go to walk away and just tug it and tug the entire table. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I can see that in my head before it has even happened. And it will happen. I'm sure it does happen with them too. A couple other, I guess, etiquettes that I can think of on the comic shop. I don't know why this is always a question that I've gotten uh, in the almost 10 years, but Whenever someone comes in and says, what's the most expensive comic you have here? 100% of the time, they do not buy anything. They just want to gawk at the thing or look at it and point at it. Oh, people are paying $3,500 for that. That's just a comic book. It's uh, That gives away immediately someone that never goes to comic shops or very rarely does. So that's one of the comic etiquette things that not necessarily saying don't do this, but if you're doing this, I know you don't really go to comic shops to buy anything. So that's immediately a, all right, well, you're not going to buy anything here. It's probably one of these comics back here that are most expensive. Let them look and then they walk out five minutes later. That's fucking hysterical and reminds me of many people who walk in. They're like, what do you got that's the highest THC right now? (laughs) And I'll tell them, and right now it's these things called caviar dots, which are just compressed flour that have been rolled in a sticky RSO, which is like a wax substance, and then dipped in keef. So it's kind of three different things all formed in together. So because of which is a ton of trichromes, which leads to a higher THC. We're talking like for flour in the 80%, maybe even a little bit higher, which is, you know, a good flour normally has about, 30 and like that's really pushing it so they see that and then they see they only get two grams for about 85 dollars and they're like no nah, i don't want that i'm like I, I like you just said yeah i knew you didn't but you asked me the question and i needed to give you the answer so they want the strongest stuff they want to get as high as possible is that what i'm getting out of this Yes, yes. But also they want it for very premium prices. <laughs> you know, it's like, let me get an amazing fantasy 15 for like I got 200 bucks. Is that okay? And you're like, I don't think so. Gotcha. I I could do that. Now, I don't know, actually, does Spider-Man's first appearance go for more than 200? I'd have to imagine, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, shit, did I just underball? No, 200s. That's that's way just out of the question. No. Yeah, it's uh, I, you know what? We actually had a many years ago. You brought that up. We did have the Amazing Fantasy 
15. It's the one where he's carrying the guy. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's the one where he's in the Fantastic Four. He's trying to join. We had that copy and he's he's hanging up. And I think that's his first appearance. But back then, what they would do is you would tear off the title if you wanted to return it back to Marvel for credit. So the store had a copy of that first appearance of Spidey, but the the titling had been torn off because at some point back then they had returned it and just sold the the paper, the comics, the what was left of it for a fraction of a price. And even then at that time, and this was six, seven years ago before the inflation of comic book pricing and collecting got ridiculous like it is today. It was still, I think, a $3,000 comic book. So even something that literally had pieces of the cover missing, if you were to CGC it, it'd be an instant 0.5 because it's as soon as you have pieces of the cover missing, it has that grade. But it's also the first appearance of Spider-Man. To any Spider-Man collector, that's still going to be up there. You know, you're talking about the first appearance of Batman, to take me for an example, or you, your favorite character of all time. And you're like, you know what? That's an affordable copy. I don't care if it's a terrible copy. I would want to own the first appearance of Spider-Man or Batman. That fan is going to be there. So isn't that crazy that someone at one point, that character did not take off right away, I guess, where your copies got returned of the first appearance of Spider-Man? It's an insane world to think of. Yes, I have that dream all the time where I'm not so worried about time traveling, but I just get a perfect copy of it. And it's not a dream where I'm like, fuck, yeah, now I can sell this and I'll have money. It's a dream where I'm like, I can't believe I get to read this new off the stands right now. Like, (laughs) this is amazing. You know, it's more about the gratification of like, this is really one of the first ones. And I've had that dream. I can't even tell you how many times it's it's strange, but uh, can you imagine holding that or even just like an action comics one? We talked about Batman. I think that's Detective Comics. 27 you got it cool yeah like some of those are just like holy shit this leads down a road in which nobody could have thought of when they were making it in my opinion and that's the thing about that era of comics where characters like superman were defining what superheroes were going to be for 80 plus years now and a lot of people will come in this is another i guess comic etiquette thing but i think it just shows the it's a bad way to put it, but lack of knowledge about how the industry works and how comics are currently, they have a much higher printing than say action comics. Number one, where they will be like, okay, well, what can I get now that will be worth money later? And my response at this point has been, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not too sure. It could be anything. Well, what would you buy? And I'm like, well, I don't collect comics to later try to sell them for hundreds of dollars i'm just buying stuff to read them and if they happen to be worth something great that usually gets them out but that's something about the nature of comics today that you you will never find another action number one in this current market because everyone is taking care of their books back then people were throwing away their action comics number one or detective 27s because they were like magazines you'd read them and you throw them away you'd let someone borrow it they'd never be in great condition Today, everyone keeps every single thing in a bag and a board, so the values are never going to be there. Even The Walking Dead number one, that's never going to be up in the values of action one, action number one, and that one was underprinted, and it became a phenomenon. It became this incredible show, and you can still get that comic for under $10,000. It's never going to hit that million-dollar mark. So just another thing that I'm a little bit ranting about, but kind of understand that comics i don't think will ever have that value again unless you find every copy of walking dead number one destroy them except for your one copy then maybe you might get up to a million dollars it might be a little rarer than superman's uh, debut issue 
The other thing that I learned, too, is, of course, some of the characters that we're talking about, especially in DC action comics and detective comics, Batman, Superman, is that there was a war after they were started printing. So like a lot of the times you were superheroes inside or at the back of the books would be like, hey, Timmy, I don't know why I went Timmy, but hey, Timmy, you want to help out the war effort like you should recycle this very comic book. Recycling's (laughs) fucking great. You know, go find scrap and recycle that shit. And we got to keep recycling because every part matters, you know. So basically, they were more or less saying destroy this shit, you know. So (laughs) there was a lot of that happening in which just what you're talking about. There aren't as many copies and yet people still want them. Whereas now, again, with The Walking Dead, even if somebody bought that new not sure or not positive what it was going to happen, there was always there was already that mindset of like, I might hang on to it just in case, you know, whereas what the comics were talking about, nobody thought of that would ever be worth anything. So, yes, I would have to agree with you. Those days of, oh, I'm going to hold on to this for even a generation or even my kids, 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 and then it'll be worth a million dollars. I would have to agree. I don't think that that day will come again. Kind of makes you wonder what we're throwing away now. <laughs> that's that's like, no, don't throw that away. That in a hundred years they could wish like, oh man, I wish that I had kept that box of Oreos sealed because there was an Oreo shortage in the future. For I don't, I don't know. It, it's just I wonder what I'm throwing away. That's like literally thousands of dollars in the in a few years. Uh, just a weird kind of segment to finish this on up of Oreos. And did you see the Pokemon Oreos I got? Yeah, I saw you posted. You're you're you now have ten thousand dollars in your hands there, sir. Of specialty Oreos. Yeah, I shouldn't have eaten so many of them because I did. Yeah, what if like inside there, because they say there's 16. So one side of the cookie is just a normal Oreo where the other side they have Pokemon in there. And it's really, really impressive because it's got not only a semi portrait, but spells out the name as well. So just so many characters. I got Charmander. There was a Dratini in there. There's like 16, but imagine if they only made like one of one and I literally just swallowed it and they were like, <laughs> oh, you didn't know about the contest. If you find the blank, you you win a billion dollars. You know what I'm talking about? And yeah, I've already now turned it into waste. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, did you get come across a Mew? No, I don't think so. That's the one that people are trying to sell for 10 grand on eBay. And no, none of them have sold for that amount. They're all selling for four or five dollars. But that's the ongoing joke where. Bobby and I, you, you've heard him on the show. We we both work in that industry, and we're like, as soon as they announced the Oreos, we're like, okay, how long until they do a graded Oreo? <laughs> and then we saw like a fake <laughs> a fake fucking mock-up of it. And then on eBay, they're listed as like in perfect condition Mew Oreo. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, of course. Of course they're trying to make that collectible. Why wouldn't they? We were joking about it, and it's it ends up being true. Oh, man, if I find one, I'm still going to take a bite and then I'm going to put it up and be like slightly used <laughs> just to fuck do with it. the people up there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do it. Watch you sell it for for a thousand bucks after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might be a misprinting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great bud section, guys. If you can, why don't you leave down some other comments that you have of your first time inside either a dispensary, comic book store facts or tips anything down below inside would be fun you can reach out to us on youtube twitter facebook instagram all those fun things would be great but we are going to close on out of the bud section and head into the bros section where we're going to get pretty meta because we're going to talk about podcasting on a podcast 
So for everybody tuning in, this is pretty special. This is episode number 50, which I don't know why, but it just seemed kind of special, more so than 40, 30, 20 up until now. But episode 50, I, this is by far the longest ongoing series that I've done podcasting. want to thank everybody out there who's been tuning in, especially, you know, it does mean something that I'm doing with this with you, Daniel. I did allude in the beginning that, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a while, for it's been a while, and <laughs> I like it so much. I like what you do. And I try to emulate that and kind of take pieces and make it my own into this podcast and whatnot. So thank you for your support, for your podcast friendship over all this time and all that, sir. It's very much appreciated. Nick, I want to say congratulations for the number 50. That's huge because so many podcasts end up pod fading. And after they put out four or five episodes, they're like, wait a minute, how come I'm not Kevin Smith yet? How come I'm not Joe Rogan? And they give it up. So it's it's awesome when I see, especially a friend, actually, you know, go to episode 50 and next year, before you know it, you'll probably be at 100 and and seeing that progress and continuation of it, because it's like, yes, keep going, keep doing it. If you're enjoying it, keep doing it. So that's great that that none of that pod fading nonsense got to you or or to some of the other podcasters out there that are still going. So hats off to you, man. I appreciate that. And that's a fun little word that I'm going to add into my vocabulary. I didn't know such a thing existed. Pod fading. That's it's pretty funny. A lot of podcasts started during the pandemic closures last year where people were like, let me just try it. And earlier this year, the averages have gone down, according to Libsyn. That's one of the podcast hosts out there. They're one of the largest ones. And they said, yeah, it's because people that started a podcast during the pandemic either went back to work and just gave up on it. Or they figured out, like, I can't make a living off of this. I'm well, How come I'm not Joe Rogan? So then they immediately stop. So that's what they're calling it. Yeah, pod fading. A lot of that going on right now. With that, you know, that's a fun little thing of what I wanted to kind of talk about. Advice from you on how can we not pod fade? What, what kind of keeps you going, sir? What makes you, you're on, you know, I just kind of, quote unquote, brush my shoulder off for 50. And you're on, geez, what, what number now? Uh, off the top of my head, I've got four, I want to say 474. Uh, I can look it up real quick. It's four. Yeah. 476. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a lot of episodes for anybody doing the math. Like if there's 52 weeks in a year and you come out weekly, you've been doing this for how long, you know, there are breaks in between. So you've been doing it even longer than that, but that's fucking amazing. It's really cool, dude. Like, yeah, talk about that a little bit of pod fading and what kind of keeps you going and what do you love about it the most? And anybody who out there who's listening, who this is their first podcast, they're just like, should I do it? What would you say? I think you should absolutely try it. Give it a shot. Try it. Have fun with it. You won't know until that biggest first step is the largest one of, well, people won't really listen to me or I'm not, I'm not really entertaining. It doesn't matter. Put it out there keep doing it. It's just like any other thing. It's like an instrument. It's like any other thing that you learn. You're going to, the more you do it, you're going to get better at it. And by the time you get to 50 or a hundred or 200, and, and that's what, that's what I kept saying that I hope that next week's episode sounds different than an episode from three years ago. And hopefully in a good way where I've gotten a little bit better in just that one thing that I was working on. And that's what I would suggest that after you always listen back to your show, I know that sounds like like, no, I don't want to hear myself for an hour and a half, but look, if you want to really improve and find where you can get better, you will point out, you you know, I say um a lot or I say but a lot, things that I still work on today. But until you see those things or you hear those things, you can't consciously or subconsciously work on it. 
And that's one of the things that I really focused on early on. But then when I started hearing other shows like Libsyn saying, talking about pod fading, reminding us that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's about gaining that listenership over time. It's not going to be a spike. It's not like a trending thing. It's not TikTok where you can suddenly have thousands of followers over this one dog video that you put up. This is about gathering an audience and growing with them, growing alongside them. And some of them will fall off and some of them you'll have new ones come on. And that's a good thing too, because that shows that your show is changing as well. And that's naturally going to be a process of it. So I don't know how I've kind of continued that mentality, but for me, it's just that challenge, I guess, of trying to make it better each week. And in a way that it's not stressful for me because there were some periods where I would overanalyze what I was doing, what Kelly was doing, one of my previous hosts, and trying to get frustrated at, well, how come we're not doing this better or we're not doing that? And then eventually it just became a, you know what, we'll get, it gets better as I'm more natural about it, as I'm not trying to over control what's happening and and that became better because it, it felt less like a chore. It felt less like a job and it felt continued to feel like a hobby. So as long as you can keep it feeling fun, then I think that that's the secret to going long term. At least that's from what the little bit I know so far. Ever so humble, man. You were just ever so humble. My thing is uh, kind of going back to your verbal crutch comment is I say, and again, that's my biggest thing is those two words. And I hear myself do it all the time. And I'm like, all right, you did it again. Try not to do it for at least another sentence, because as we're talking about, it does when you hear back, you can hear yourself and don't take yourself too hard. You know, don't mm -hmm. I wouldn't exactly make it like, oh, I can't believe I did it again. But it is kind of fun to work on it. You even called it almost like an instrument. If You don't listen back to it and hear what you don't do. You kind of can't improve in a sense. So it's fun. I would say that's great to listen back and kind of adjust or at least try to recognize where you might be weaker while also not beating the shit out of yourself about it because it is a hobby and it should be fun no matter what. I like that you talk about, too, growing your listenership. And I did have a question that I didn't get to uh, the last time that we kind of talked about this of a little history of the Broquette core, please. So the term itself, I know Broquette came from... Alexander, who was on as a guest a few times in the past, he, he had previously done a stream on YouTube called Purple Swordfish, and I don't know if he does it anymore, but he was on and we were joking about naming the listeners, and he came up with Broquettes while we were recording, and we were laughing about it, and it stuck, and I, I said it on the thing, that's what they are now, the Broquettes, and from the ever, ever since then, now as far as the core that comparison, from what I remember, there's a longtime listener named Brian who's been listening for, I think, the nine years that I've been publishing every week, which I always commend him because he was there from the very beginning when I was still figuring this shit out. And then up until today where I'm still trying to figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I call him uh, Mogo, uh, you know, the, the large if, if you're not familiar with Green Lantern, he's the large planet. He's the one that's been there the longest. He's huge. You know, he's 
he's a big support. Anytime I have like a new shirt out or when we started the Patreon, he was the first on top. Every time he's the first one on there. I'm like, dude, you're Mogo. You're you're the Mogo of, of the Broquettes. And that's when it kind of stuck of or the Broquette core, kind of like the Green Lantern core, or the Red Lanterns. And the color is purple, just like the logo. So that's how the Broquette core kind of came to be. And and they seem to like it. I, I ended up photoshopping a Green Lantern-like, something that I think would fit along with the rest of the Lanterns, a little Broquette core logo. And I'm pretty proud of it. I put it up in in the different designs that I sometimes put up on T Public. So it's fun. I, it's another thing of like, yeah, let's have fun with this. And they seem to like it too. Yeah, being a full encore member, I do like it. It is one of the pins I'm allowed to have a little bit of swag on my lanyard at work. So I chose a few pins, and your Broquette Core one is on there 100%, sir. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that. absolutely. And you're right. A lot of people are like, oh, cool. What is that? Is that a, like, they'll ask, is that a lantern I don't know about? Because some people, because that's like the greatest thing when you get a patient in and they have a something on a Justice League or you know, Superman, Spider-Man, whatever. And you're just like, oh, and you start and then you whip out your geek cred a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, this place is kind of cool. You know (laughs) what I mean? So I like talking about that. And so if I do and they see that, yeah, this one guy had a Green Lantern shirt on. I said, oh, which one's that? You know, is that red or something? I said, no, no, this one's special. It's the Brokehead Core. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) And how do you feel uh, on your end hitting episode 50? What's it like? I'm happy I'm here. Like I said, I have tried my hand in a few other things. One specific podcast that I think I got to 37 on. A few online shows, a few YouTube kind of things. So 50, it is really cool. I was hoping to do 52 in a year. We have passed our one year anniversary. I think it was back in August. It passed and I wasn't sure whether or not to like bring it back up or if that would look like Hey guys, look over here. You know, like I didn't want to seem like that either, but we did pass one year and I didn't get the 52 out, but I'm still really, really happy that I almost got there. You know, it's definitely better than I did last time. And this year, I think I already kind of missed an episode, but hopefully it'll be more than last year. And the next year will be more than this year. And I can actually one day reach that goal. You know, that's kind of the good thing about goals is just because you didn't hit it when you thought you would doesn't mean it goes away. You could just kind of keep going with it. So that is my goal for it is just, just keep going for regularity on my side. Cause I do know that that is in my opinion, one of the top three keys of having a successful podcast is you have to be, what's the word I just said. And then one out of my head, you have to be regular in order to have regular listeners. Almost. Do you know what I'm saying? Being on a schedule when they expect you and, yeah, uh, that's especially huge. You'll see that in streamers a lot where if they get out of their schedule, people will be like, hey, wh- are you OK? Are you not streaming? What's happening? It, you become a part of their routine. And when you break that routine for them, that's when they start finding they'll find a, a different show immediately because they got to listen to something while they're doing their thing, while they're driving, while they're going to work, whatever it may be working out. So that's a yeah, that's a big, big thing of just releasing whenever it is at the same time every week. Yeah, but that's the secret, like you mentioned, of not beating yourself up too much about it. We're our worst critics. I think we kind of come down on ourselves, at least I do, when when I, you know, if I have to miss a week or whatever it is. But in reality, maybe not even half of the people noticed or whatever, because they might be backlogged or whatever it may be. So I, I think you you have it right there of don't beat yourself up about it. Keep moving forward and put out the next one. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And that is how you gain, you know, that that army of followers, that core of followers, that broquette core. From there, I'm trying to kind of segue into asking, 
you know, should I should I wait? Like you kind of now after your story, I feel silly asking because I wasn't sure about the origin of it. And now it sounds like it was super organic and it was brought up by the core themselves. So I was going to ask, like, if we were to start naming listeners of this show, what would it be? And now it just kind of seems silly. Like, no, I think I'm going to wait for maybe some more organic stuff to happen. Maybe have some ideas in the back burner. But yeah, if, if it happens naturally, great, even better. Because I, I don't know if I never had that goal, I don't think. there I was all very disorganized anyway, as I was doing them back then. But it was just kind of nice that it did happen organically. And who knows what the next thing will be that becomes a meme on Discord. There's a couple of the hosts on the weekly podcast that they do something or we know something about them. Like if one is a furry and one is, <laughs> like we'll bring that up. So, uh, yeah, I think that might be the right route. But it's, you know, every show is different. You might come up with something that just strikes and everyone loves it. So, uh, yeah, just let it let it happen. And if it is something you come up with, great. And if not, it, even better, too. That's also a good point. So, yeah, let me just shoot the shot for any listeners out there who either. So they'll either have like an A, B or a C. So I was thinking, you know, naming it after one of the sections of the buds or the bros. So I was thinking right off the mat, you know, I I like uh, buddies because it's yeah. just easy. It's not gender specific as well, which also makes a lot of people happy. And then, you know, because the main thing that I'm trying to do this for is my opening or the opening to the show, because I always do what's up, everyone or. You know, instead of everyone, I think it'd be fun. Like if I was on your show or introducing your show, I'd be like, what's up, Brokat Core? You know, welcome back. You know what I'm trying to say? So to try to find something to fill that was the idea. And I don't know. What do you think about Buddies? I like Buddies. It has obviously that double meaning of you talk about marijuana every week and it's also friendly. I, I do like that one more than I mean, superheroes, I don't think would work as well. I, I like Buddies more than than that or bros yeah as you mentioned it's not as gender neutral even though some people are cool with it but some aren't buddies is probably the most blanket like all right this encompasses everyone because you don't want to leave anyone out either so yeah buddies works i think best if just from the title of your show yeah that's true because if i wasn't going to go straight for bros i've always thought that broski was a funny one after that for (laughs) reasons unknown and then i like i picked up from the movie ted bro nameth (laughs) <laughs> which I also really not like, but then it takes a lot to get that joke. So, all right, instead of even an A, B, or C option for anybody listening who wants to be in this quote-unquote group of select people in which we're trying to name of uh, being a listener and wanting to be, w- would Buddy work? Do you have a better idea? I always like the listener interaction in any comment section of what you want to do in Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, all those things of computers. That would be fun. Or maybe I'll do a poll. I've been doing a little bit of those on Instagram too, of just like random stuff that leads into our next discussion, but we'll try to do something. I thank you for all of the awesome tips that you gave us today, Daniel, and talk me through that and figuring that out and let me in a little bit more into the Brokehead core with that awesome history. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, thank you again for, or congratulations for episode 50. I, I got to keep bringing that up. Episode 50. That's huge, man. <laughs> it really is. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And thanks for all the support through all 50 episodes. And I really, truly mean that. Hell yeah. <laughs> we are going to close on out of that bro section and head into the superhero section where we're going to discuss the Justice League animated and the Justice League Unlimited show. For anybody who's not too familiar, I think that it would actually be better if we started with the DCAU altogether of, I 
guess, yeah, we can't do an entire thing, but let's just start with like Batman the Animated Series happened. Superman the Animated Series happened. What was also in between there? I can't remember which one came out first. Batman Beyond or Justice League? I believe it was Batman Beyond. Right. There was also the Zeta Project, which was like a little tiny one, but I'm pretty sure that one was after the first Justice League. And then you had Static Shock, too. Oh, fuck yeah, Static Shock. But what I'm trying to, what I was starting to lead off with a little bit was like, there were all single unit shows, maybe some crossovers, but the they finally decided to take all many characters and make this one Justice League animated show. Uh, first season has 52 episodes, which is, I was like, damn, that's a lot. Starting in 2001, so I was 11. Like, I was so perfectly suited for this, and this is one of the deepest memories I have of the Justice League. Maybe some of the best stories ever told through the Justice League. It's really, truly one of my favorite shows. I think we even talked about it on your podcast last time. It's what I've been going through when I'd have, you know, I need, quote unquote, nothing to watch, but I need something on at the same time while I'm trying to figure out this giant fucking puzzle in my living room still. Like, <laughs> it's nuts. But I, I love this show. Just wanted to kind of talk about it with you and how much you love it and talk about some episodes. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to go into it. I come at it at a different angle, though, because... My little brother kept up on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and I was 12 or 13 at the time. So I don't know. I kind of had gotten out of cartoons. I was starting. I was in junior high. I was starting to watch more live action stuff and getting into the world of dating. So I remember going into my brother's room. He'd be watching Justice League, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And he'd kind of tell me what's what's happening. But it was never enough to really hook me into watching it. And I never made the connection that Batman, the animated series, Batman was the same one from Justice League because they had different designs. So to me, it was a completely different universe. It wasn't until years later, right before the Arkham games came out, that I started really doing a deep dive into what the Timverse was. I had already been a huge fan of the animated series, but I'm like, all right, well, if that's the same Batman as Justice League, let me go get those next and watch those. So that's when I was like, oh, shit, this is all like a big universe. That is the same Batman. That is Kevin Conroy. Look at all of these DC characters that I've never heard of or ones that I've seen that are now crossing over like Batman, Superman. That is a big deal, especially for people our age where today you can see crossovers on the big screen and it's not a big deal. You can see it on TV. But back then, seeing Batman and Superman together in a thing it was it was like Christmas. You just didn't see it that often. So that's where I'm coming from it as a little bit of a I watched it later in life. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, I remember now that I'm looking at how the episodes were released, somehow or another, I missed the secret origin. I actually didn't see the first three episodes until much later in life. Because the first thing I remember is actually the second part of the next thing. So what we should uh, what I should talk about for anybody who's unfamiliar is most of these episodes, if not all of them, are multi-part, at least two episodes, some of them being three. So in my brain, I'm trying to remember, I think I saw what is technically the fifth episode. So the second part to the second story first. And I was like, okay. 
a little confused and I really didn't understand. But now that I'm looking at this, so episode six was called The Enemy Blow and released on December 3rd, 2001. So I had just turned 11 and I don't, it must've been the story. I, I think it's um just how fucking metal it was, you know, as a kid, I just, it, it blew my mind. It's the episode where, sorry, Aquaman is introduced. I read that they chose not to put him on the whole team so they can get a second girl into the mix, which is then the spot is taken over by Hawkgirl, which was really cool in my opinion, because like you just talked about, I didn't know there was a Hawkgirl. I didn't even know Hawkman at 11. You know what I mean? So this was a whole new ball game for me. The same thing with Martian Manhunter. I really can't say if I could have pointed him out of a line. Green Lantern, I could have because we talked about the animated series, the Superman. And then that one, they had Kyle Rayner. So at least I knew what a Green Lantern was. You know what I'm saying? Same thing mm-hmm. with Aquaman. I knew what Aquaman was, but I thought of literally my father's Aquaman of, of the Super Friends. So this guy's got long hair, a really gnarly, awesome beard. Long story short, he gets tied to the side or chained to the side of a boulder that's going to slip into a volcano, killing him and his son. So his general can take over they don't go into orm and ocean master but it's basically that you know what i'm talking about yeah he gets one hand free and he fucking cuts off his other hand to save his son and i was 11 and this was a cartoon and i was like what the fuck this is the coolest (laughs) thing that might ever be and that was my hook line and sinker was literally the hook (laughs) hand that he put on i was like this is everything and from that moment on, I thought I thought I was coming in, but it turns out, yeah, it wasn't until episode six that I was really brought in. And then to find out when I bought the DVDs years later, like, oh, they did have an origin story. Like there's a whole <laughs> three episodes I knew nothing about it was pretty funny. And it's cool that they got away with doing the multi-part episode format, because I don't think they dare try that today in kids animation where it's got to be a one and done type of thing, which they moved on to eventually in Justice League Unlimited. And I don't know if it was because of that reason or if they needed a faster pace on these stories. But for them to do those longer format episodes, really, I think it gave gave kids and, and the audience the opportunity to really take in the stories and the characters. And it really enriched all of that. Not to say that they can't do it in 15 minute increments, but we kind of benefited even more from it. We learned these characters. We grew through them. We got to see things that they went through, like Aquaman with his arm. Or later on, Batman and some of the flashback sequences between him and the Royal Flush Gang. So there's all kinds of opportunity for you to really, if you take the time to watch these different episodes, you'll see the quality. They take their time. And it's another way of consuming these cartoons that I don't think we really have today, which isn't a good or bad thing. But I can't think of a children's cartoon that is a a two-part format. Not quite like that. Not no, because I was going to go to maybe Young Justice. They had overarching stories throughout, but not exactly in the same format, like where you can jump on to a certain two episode platform like that. Whereas Young Justice is like, no, it's one giant story. So I would agree that, you know, to keep just it, one story to two episodes is really unique and something I haven't seen again either. The next few episodes I wanted to talk about aren't until season one. It's episode 16 and 17. Do you remember the episode called Legends where the Flash and Hawkgirl and Green Lantern are all dragged into pretty much the Justice Society 
They don't want to confuse people and show you the Justice Society. So it's kind of like a mock team up of the Justice Society. They're called the Justice Guild. And it is actually a comic book that Jon Stewart read growing up. And the entire meta-ness of that whole episode, or those two episodes, I should say, really broke my fucking brain. And to this day, I'm like, that would be a cool story to see even further elaborated on. Is that the one where things kept coming up when they'd get close to figuring out, wait a second, is this all real? And then suddenly there'd be a catastrophe and they'd have to run? Yep, absolutely. That's exactly yeah, what it is. That's, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> that's a really it good is. one. And at the end of the day, spoilers for anybody who hasn't been paying attention since 2002, so I don't feel that bad. It's it's one kid, one their kind of snapper car. Anybody familiar with the like old school gold to silver age DC lore? There was this character called Snapper Car who does get a fun fucking shout out, dude. Snapper Car in this universe is the name of the reporter who you usually see like. I'm standing out here inside the thing and the Justice League is battling back at me like that name of that reporter is Snapper Carr. OK, um, but anyway, in their universe, there's a similar character who somehow gets like all evolved or mutated, however you want to look at it, and is making everything around them and making the people kind of do exactly as he says. So the milkman or the the what's its name the jolly ollie man is what i call him the ice cream man is like forced to go around the same block for all of eternity though he doesn't (laughs) want to and it's up to the quote-unquote real heroes to stop the fake ones and take down this guy it's just a really fun story that once again as a kid 12 years old i was like what the fuck is going on like they just swung for the fences with these stories all the time it's like twilight zone with superheroes a little bit that episode dude fucking a that's exactly that. What you're brilliant. That's exactly what it is. It was a little scary too when you see when you see those little behaviors from those characters in there, and then when they finally figure it out, it's it's a good one. It's your unconventional villain. It's not what you would expect, and not something you'd probably have to try to sell toys or anything. They really wanted to tell that story. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, there's not. I don't think there's a bad episode in that run. They're all really fucking good. And some of them get heavy. As I look at the final three-parter for season one, it's called The Savage Time. And this one now I am kind of remembering a little bit. They get transported back to World War II. And we find out that Vandal Savage has usurped Adolf Hitler. And now he's going to lead the Nazis and try to make the Allies lose the Second World War. And like, if I'm not mistaken, there is a depiction of frozen adolf hitler that they show yes. on tv and i'm just <laughs> yeah. like now as an adult as a th- remembering this i'm like holy shit like that's insane <laughs> for some reason for, for me to think about that <laughs> and that's also the one with steve trevor isn't it yes yeah, yeah i remember that one yeah that that hits hard at the end you're right so super good and such a strong way to close out their first season which you know, good on them. Like, what a fucked up way. What a what a strong punch. And then rolling into season two, they get another 26 episodes and they do go into the two part ones. I don't think there's any three parters until the very end. They save that for the third one. And that is something that I kind of wanted to talk about specifically for Justice League. And then we can get into some unlimited of. Do you remember like the grand reveal of Justice League of what's going on and kind of how the season, the series ends with these episodes called Star Crossed? Yes. Yeah, that was a 
a pretty big deal with uh, it, it takes the idea of Babel, Justice the Tower of Babel from I think it was Morrison that wrote that. I can't remember. But where Batman has a contingency plan of if the Justice League go rogue, here's a plan that we're going to activate. And it's going to it's my way of stopping the Justice League if something happens, mind control, whatever it may be. And someone gets a hold of those plans and sets them off and is able to to defeat the Justice League. And they all get upset at Batman and they talk about how he betrayed them and how they're how could he do this? Well, I remember listening to one of the Fat Man on Batman episodes where they had, I think, Paul Dini on. And he said that they took that idea of the Justice League voting of whether or not they should keep Batman on the team. And they applied it to Hawkgirl in that Star-Crossed episode. But you combine Dwayne McDuffie's writing in there of there's also this relationship with Jon Stewart. There's all this trust of you as the viewer You've been seeing Hawkgirl this whole time and seeing her work with the Justice League and fall in love with Jon Stewart. And now she's an enemy and she's they're going into Wayne Manor and they're fucking shit up there. They're going after Alfred. And to any Batman animated series fan, you're like, you don't touch fucking Alfred. <laughs> he's he's precious. You never do anything. And they're they're going in there and, and screwing things up, too. So that is that really sets the whole Justice League world on fire by giving you all of these conflicts as a viewer and watching you see these characters struggle to trust Hawkgirl again. Yes, that's it's it's insane. I didn't actually recognize that Tower Babel kind of thing until you said it, and that is awesome. Uh, if anybody out there hasn't read Tower of Babel and doesn't have the time and they're more into live action stuff, have you ever seen Justice League Doom? Yeah, yeah, the one where, for whatever reason, it's Vandal Savage instead of Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> and I'm like... yeah. I'm like, but I, but it's Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they did that, but that is a really good comparison where this whole time we think Shaira is on our side, but she's been playing everybody the fool. She was not accidentally transported to Earth like she said she was. She kind of gets an Adam Strange crossover there, background story a little bit, where she says she's a cop and she was detecting something or, you know, detectiving something and ended up in a warehouse that shot her across space and she has no idea where Thanagar is and can't ever get back. But meanwhile, she's just taking notes for her boyfriend, for more of lack of a better word, to come and take over. And it's the betrayal of the century almost, man. So by the time this one came out, now we're talking the last episode premiered May 29, 2014. I'm 14, 14, more than 14 and a half. And just absolutely awestruck of like, Jesus, I did not see that coming of this show is so good. We get a lot of good things there. We get the Justice League unmasked for the first time, all hanging out in the Batcave. Like so many things happen in this where I was like, this is the greatest show. I hope it never ends. And then they said it wasn't going to come back. Like they weren't going to continue with this story. And I was just crushed. So that was intended as the finale is what you're saying? Yes. But people weren't having it. They just they needed more because it was just received so damn well, which is awesome. I mean, isn't that exactly what you want when making a show? Yeah. And it's just it wouldn't that be weird, like in a weird, different universe of Jon Stewart crying. And that's the, the last we saw of Justice League again. Not exactly a cliffhanger, but it leaves you with there's got to be more. Does she? end up staying in the justice league we need to see john stewart and Hawkgirl end up back together there's just so much that's left on the table almost that that was a big gamble by him 
It was, but he proved one time. It's, yeah, he was able to get the next series that we're going to talk about. But before he did that, I did want to shout out the names of everyone. Uh, Carl Lumbly as John Jones to this day is the voice that I hear when I read John Jones. A few people switch in my head every now and then, depending on who I'm reading. But I always can hear his voice. I can hear it now. I wish I could do it. Bill <laughs> Lamar as the Green Lantern. Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash, which is a fun DC crossover for anybody who's like, wait, didn't he play Lex Luthor on Smallville? Yeah, he did. This is the one that threw me off as a kid. So you mentioned earlier, and I'll say his name now, of Kevin Conroy as Batman, which is just so fucking iconic. George Newbern plays Clark Kent, and that is not the name that I remember from the Superman show. Am I wrong? Is Didn't that switch? Yeah, that did switch. I believe it was due to scheduling conflicts where he couldn't come and voice Superman, so they had to replace him. Dude, that's crazy. I never noticed as a kid. And like even as a kid into like I'm 30 now. So anybody under 18, I'm like as a kid. So I'm talking about I was still just like deep diving into this well past it already being on collecting and really deep diving and just always assumed that it was the other guy. But no, it's George Newburn, which I don't know. Crazy. I'm sorry. Sorry. I was going to say they're they found someone that's pretty close to Tim Daly, though, because I I personally connect more with the Justice League show Superman as far as who I hear because I've seen more episodes of that and then I went back and saw Superman the animated series so to me that's the voice of Superman when I hear him but they're pretty close yeah absolutely uh Princess Diana is Susan Eisenberg and then finally we were talking about Hawkgirl who's Maria Canales Barrera so these actors really nailed everything about their characters to the point of really gaining an iconic stature in my opinion to the fact of we are both sitting here how many years later after it first came out or even after we first heard it or first saw it i mean and they are who we hear in our head when we read non-timverse stuff you know because i do know that they make timverse books and if we kept it through there but it doesn't matter if i read batman i hear kevin conroy in my head if I read Wonder Woman drawn by anybody in the world, I hear Susan Eisenberg. You know what I'm saying? Like that is that's a feat that that's hard to do. It's pretty incredible. And you, I don't know. Andrew Romano has to get so much credit for that. She was the voice director for the animated Batman, the animated series. And they were smart in keeping her on for all of these other projects, including Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I don't know if you ever heard of the table read they did last year where they brought them all back and they had them do at one of the the Zoom call conventions and they had them all read apart from the old series. And even then she was still directing them like, no, re- redo that line. Do it again. No, do it slower. OK, now a little bit sadder. Perfect. So even if it's a little thing for a convention, she's on it like we're going to get this right. Here's how you do it. All right. That's great. And she's just a fucking pro. So I know she was involved in the casting for a lot of these people, including Kevin Conroy back in the day. And Andrea is I think she's since retired, but she's got to go down as like one of the best voice directors of all time. Cause as you mentioned, these people are iconic from now until, <laughs> until the end of time. Absolutely. And then anybody out there who's like, wait, I think I know that name as well. She voice casted Avatar, so that's just like, yeah, not only did it once, but did it in a whole different series on a whole different world of like, god damn, like she must have insured her ears for millions of dollars (laughs) because 
She is so fucking good at that job. <laughs> she is. But they are great. They all come back for Justice League Unlimited, which started in 2004 through 2006 over three different seasons, which I kind of th- I don't remember that. I thought it was two. But yeah, I remember I, it as two also, which is weird because as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, no, I remember these three seasons, which is pretty crazy. But 39 episodes over them. So what does that mean? 13 seasons apiece or 13 episodes apiece. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, too. Interesting. Starts off on the very first one, which is called Initiation. So now we're talking July 31st, 2014. I will be 14 soon. And once again, this was perfect place, perfect time for me of just like, holy shit, you know, now what's going on? Who's this person? They stopped doing the core of the seven Justice Leaguers and started to expand. They dropped the two uh, back-to-back parters or even three not to say that there's not any across the entire series but it was just a whole different ball game that also felt super familiar and just once again a bravo of a situation whereas i watch these as an adult i'm like these are some of the greatest stories that dc has put out maybe ever am i am i too bold there no, Dwayne McDuffie and the crew definitely adapted not only existing comic storylines and put them out into animated format, but they also did some great stuff on their own with lesser-known characters, as you mentioned. This one really sets your your nerd card and puts it to the test because they put... I didn't know who Green Arrow was when I was watching these, or Black Canary, or Zatanna, and, or The Question. that was He was pretty prevalent in there. So they hit you with all of these relatively unknown characters, really, and they put them on there, and they're like, this is what the show is going to focus on. Another big risk of, you know, immediately could have been canceled by, wait a minute, where's Batman? Where's Superman? Where's Wonder Woman? Who are these characters? But it ended up working out just fine because I think they sprinkled in enough of, yeah, he's also Booster Gold is going to be working with the Justice League to try to, as you said on the show, save the world. And it had enough of that core member to, okay, well, it's still the Justice League, even though I don't recognize these characters and or Huntress. Huntress was another like, what? (laughs) And uh, it ended up doing great. And I'm grateful for it now as an adult because I can see these characters that I know a little bit better today. And why? Oh, yeah, the question. Cool. Let's see his episode. Let's see that person's. I definitely think one of the deepest cuts is the fourth episode titled for the characters in which really I hadn't seen again since Titans, the live action show. And they worked them there called Hawk and Dove. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's some deep cut DC shit, man. And like I'm saying, I know that they're in this episode. They are in the backgrounds of a few other episodes. Not too much, but. Not since then had I heard of them. Like, that's a deep fucking cut, man, Hawk and Dove. (laughs) I still remember the New 52 Rob Liefeld Hawk and Dove comic that didn't do well. (laughs) These are not characters that are meant to hold their own series. But lo and behold, they can show up in an episode or two and work out just fine. Yeah, poor guys. Even as I'm looking here on IMDb, which their rating system, I don't know. I'm not. I don't put a lot of stock in other people's rating systems. Mm-hmm. But as I look here, it is the lowest rated one of the season, wow. which kind of sucks. <laughs> a 6.7, where all the other ones kind of hang out in and around very high nines to low eights. So yeah, Hawk and Dove can't even carry their own ship, but they did pretty cool for Titans. He did a little gender bending where Dove is now a lady and they're in a relationship. And it was actually really cool. I'm not all the way caught up on season three, but 
it was kind of cool to see it change a little bit. But once again, characters, when I saw them in Titans, I was like, really? Like, nobody knows who Hawk and Dove is. What a fucking <laughs> roll of the dice this is. But it fucking worked out so well for them. Yeah, it did. The next one is kind of controversial that I wanted to talk to you about because we do not have time to go through all of it. I wanted to talk to you about season two, episode 13. If you remember, it's called Epilogue. Oh, yes. This is super controversial, and I'll let you talk about why. Do you remember the specifics? Well, well, there's a number of things that, if you're just talking about the Batman Beyond fans, there's that, okay, yeah, where it's basically implied that Terry is a half-clone, half-son of Bruce Wayne, where poor Terry's dad, well, they put it this way, where his DNA was basically replaced with Bruce Wayne's when, when they had Terry, and so his mom gave birth to what essentially would have been a clone of Bruce or if she had actually made love to Bruce. And it's kind of weird. They don't really go too specific on it, but they do tell you that they are related. And that's, uh, did you hear some negative from some Batman fans back then? Yeah. Somebody um, recently, actually not even back then recently, I was saw a guy who made a pretty good point of one of the cool things about Terry was always the fact of that he learned to do it, that being Batman can actually be a skill, and that if anybody really took the time to do so, they can also, along with the future suit, I guess, but they can learn the skills of being Batman, and maybe even one day you can. Whereas this is just like, nope, you got no Wayne blood, there's no way you could do it. There's, you know, It takes away that any man situation of becoming the Batman, I guess. And to his point, that wasn't really a bad point. I kind of see that. You could also flip it around, though, where Amanda Waller says they needed a world with Batman. And Batman wasn't always going to be around, so they tried to recreate the process of Bruce Wayne by killing his parents or whatever it may be. She hires the fucking Phantasm, <laughs> which of all people, it's like, oh my god, it's the it's the fucking Phantasm. It's, it's Andrea, another Andrea. But she says that they couldn't do it, couldn't go through with it. You can still flip it of she says herself that he did not have his brain, but he still had Bruce's heart. So it's not really a matter of you need it to be a Bruce Wayne or a Wayne because he was still very different from Bruce and it still ended up working fine. And he is still a very different Batman. I don't even I'm not comfortable with calling him batman or batman beyond personally because i am such a fan of batman i fall more in the line of like joker calling him bat fake but it's 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 he's like another robin or another nightwing and that's kind of how i view him so to me it's not a a matter of you need to be a way to be another batman because he he's like dick grayson he's like barbara gordon he's so different from bruce but he's still able to to protect gotham yeah super true I wasn't really agreeing with the other guy. I saw where he's coming from because I would agree with you in that sense of, I definitely remember when this came out, we were talking about, I was just so super involved into the DCAU. So this crossover was one. I was like, this is pretty freaking crazy. And kind of once again, goes back to the fact that this was going to be a series finale, but they ended up going for one more, which is, Going back to your point of the Justice League of like, imagine if that's really how the whole kit and caboodle ended. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it does end in the same way that animated series season one. I don't know if you remember, but Bruce or Batman Beyond goes through 
flies by the blimp and Kevin Conroy's voice says, did you see that? And it goes back to On Leather Wings, in which the same thing happens. Mambat flies by the blimp, and it's also Kevin Conroy in that old episode saying, did you see that? So that was their way of like connecting the ends to the beginnings. So that would have actually worked out great, too. Uh, that was also their excuse of they didn't get to end Batman Beyond the way they wanted. It got canceled before Justice League Unlimited ended. So they, they were like, well, we got to sneak it in here. So that's what they ended up doing for Epilogue. That's so fucking brilliant. I love that tidbit more than almost anything today. That was, yes, because I know exactly what you're talking about. I could see it in my head of On Leather Wings. And now that you said it, yep, that's exactly what they did, those brilliant fucks. <laughs> They're geniuses, man. <laughs> they really are. And they, even after being brought back, still gave us another 13 solid episodes that I'm looking through. But none of them are like what I brought up in the first two of like, I don't actually remember any specific one as I go through of like, oh, yeah, that happened. The only thing I can really remember from season three is the last shot, which is brilliantly done and does kind of end it pretty poet. Not that poetically, not how you just put it, but of all of the members running towards the camera, if you will. You know, they get a distress call. They all have to fuck off at once and they're going to leave. And, you know, it's almost as if it's kind of like a Broadway show where they bring out the characters go first and then like the, you know, the stage players or the day players and then the supporting cast and then the main role. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they ended up doing it, too, with it, it ends on Batman's chest. So just how it started. I remember when I was watching those, I'm like, yes, it's got to end on Batman. Hell yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> but they also left us on another cliffhanger, even in that one, because you see Lex Luthor and I think it was Darkseid, wasn't it? They both leave, and they kind of leave it there? Yes. Yeah, you're right. It is kind of left on that cliffhanger. You're right. So there's still... Where, where's the next season? <laughs> I mean, it could still happen, right? Oh, man. That would be cool. I would definitely watch them get together and do more episodes. I do know it seems like we're getting more Batman the Animated Series, right? That's yep. happening. Yeah, so maybe, good. maybe that leaves the door open to like, you know, somewhere in there, we'll just be like, I should consult, consult the Justice League on this one. And then all of a sudden we have all these people back in the same room because you're right. You can go on YouTube and find them in the same room hanging out all the time. And they say they're down for it. So I would watch it. I give them the money yesterday. Yeah. Crazier things have happened. Uh, let me ask you something about as you're going through and kind of remembering all of these episodes. Do you think that the state of fandom today is kind of to blame for this when I'm about to bring up in, in that se same season finale that you were talking about, Superman goes all out on dark side. He says, you can take it. He does this amazing line about how everything feels like, like uh, paper to him or something where everything is yep. fragile. Yep. And then he unleashes on dark side, obliterates the city. And, uh, but it's cool. It's amazing. But when they do something similar to that on the big screen and cities are getting obliterated, it's not an issue. It is an issue there. They did so many things in the animated series that I think if you were to try to re-release the same show today, maybe people would complain of why is he destroying the city? Why isn't he? Why didn't he take this fight out into outer space? Why are they doing this? Do you think it's a state of fandom? People that maybe didn't grow up with the show that are just getting into these things? Or is it just like hypersensitivity? What, what, what is your take on it? I think it's a mixture of hypersensitivity and over over voicing, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm sure there are some people who had some thoughts about this show. But 
what were they going to do? There was certain message chat boards in which old HTML is now gone. Like it is one of the things that may have gotten deleted permanently on the internet. So, you know, Twitter doesn't do that as much or different fan sites don't do that. Or Reddit's not doing that in terms of disappearing back into the elder scrolls of old codes. So now things are a little bit more permanent and a little bit louder than they were back when this show came out. So maybe that's it. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I just think, think everybody wants it to be right. I think everybody wants to type out a comment and then have everybody like it going, wow, this is exactly the opposite of what I was thinking, but you said it so smartly that I now think the same way you do. Thank you. Thank you for being so smart and putting me on this new road. So everybody just wants to scream their opinion at the top of their fucking lungs. And maybe it's just more of that. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably the right thing. I, I was talking to one of my buddies years ago when we were when I was going back and rewatching these episodes, and he's a massive Superman fan, huge. He he loved the animated series, and he told me I don't like that Justice League show, and I'm like, why? It's great. Yeah, but it's written by a Batman fanboy. It's just Bruce Tim making fa- Batman the coolest and making Superman really weak, and it's all the really the Batman show. And I'm like. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it it does make me think, though, that I think if I were a hardcore Superman fan, I like Superman. But if I were, like, really into him, this does kind of give you a different take on Superman where he can get hurt by just about anyone. He's not invulnerable to punches from Wonder Woman. You can hit him hard enough and he might die. So uh, it kind of got me thinking of, I can sort of see how Superman fans could take this as like a heavily biased Batman show. And sure enough, they give Batman a shit ton of cool moments. Yes. And also using him sparingly, which you would think would give you the reverse, you know, not giving you a lot of Batman would be the thing that they'd want to do. But in not giving him to you when he does get there, it's just like, oh, this is the best. And then they, like you said, he gets the best lines. He gets the best action. He gets the best in there to do. Meanwhile, Superman, and I remember, and I still feel a little, quote unquote, egregious about this, of he's trying to chase Deadshot into the sewer. So Deadshot's just placed a manhole, and Superman grabs said manhole, in which Deadshot's put a device that electrocutes him. And it it electrocutes him. It fucking puts his ass down. It's like, really? It's Superman, bro. Like. <laughs> What if anybody else touched that? They'd have to be fried like into a crisp. You know, it's Superman. Are you really telling me that Deadshot's got something on him that can put down Superman? I don't buy it. So, but I also agree on the other fact of listening to them in commentary sometimes of like, it's hard to have Superman around if he's full powered like he is Mm -hmm. all the time. It's then there's no need to have a team around. And then what do we do? Well, we try to make a team show. So, I see both sides of the fight there. That's funny, though, that it's like it was written by a super, uh, Batman's fanboy. Like, yeah, it was. It's great, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He always pointed out too that moment in which Batman dodges Darkseid's Omega Beam <laughs> by jumping on a Parademon, and then he moves, and the Parademon gets fried instead. And Darkseid even says, no one has ever avoided my Omega Beam. And he was like, oh, come on. And I'm like, oh, fucking Batman. If anyone's going to fucking dodge that shit, it's Batman somehow. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. That's awesome, because Batman really is just the best. So I don't care, yeah. Bruce Tim, that you're doing that. That was awesome, on my, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. Batman would do that, of course. This is, yeah, let's keep going with the episode now. How's Batman going to stop Darkseid? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> now what's going to happen with Batman and his friends? <laughs> 
Well, sir, thank you so much, dude. I, I really, truly enjoy these shows. Really enjoyed talking about them, catching up a little bit. I would love to talk more about the DCAU with you because you really know your shit. Man, I didn't think, like, you pulled out a Zeta project. Like, that's a deep cut, man. Even people who love the DCAU don't even know that shit. So maybe we could come back and do either more of this or Batman Beyond would be a lot of fun now that I think about it. I mean, BTAS, maybe we should just start an entire new podcast talking about Batman the Animated Series, because I feel like once you got me started, I would never stop. And I, I kind of get the feeling you're the same way. Yeah, especially when the any any animated series stuff, that's the greatest Batman anything of all time is to me still the Batman, the animated series. So you can write textbooks about that fucking show. You really could do courses. You can do all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. So that is something to keep on the back burner. Keep it in mind. Maybe we'll do that down the road. In the meantime, though, man, I, I really honestly can't thank you enough. I do say it at the end of every episode, but it doesn't mean I mean it any less of the fact that we all have a certain amount of time in our day. So the fact that you'd spend any with me on this show, it really does just mean the absolute world to me. This is a fun passion project I have. You come, you spend the time, you pour your passion into it as well. It's very evident in the way that we talk so i appreciate it so very much daniel thank you thank you nick you make it incredibly easy not only when you're on the show on my end but right here especially we're just talking about this stuff that we're excited for and the fact that you had me on for episode 50 i'm really grateful for that that's awesome and again huge congratulations for hitting episode 50 and to to whoever's on the other side as well uh, thanks for sticking around, whether I think for episode 50 here, if you enjoyed it. But otherwise, Nick has been putting this out and I've been enjoying it. I've been loving it. And I hope that you have too. if not keep coming, keep com- coming for episode 51. If this is your first one, show up next week. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, listen to the man. He's a fucking genius. Show up next week. Thank you to anybody on the other end of this listening, listening for 50 episodes, or even if you were just listening for these last 50 seconds, it's all super appreciated. Uh, If you could also maybe take that one extra step by throwing a like, a subscribe, any of those fun internet things, that would be great. But I understand people got to people. At the end of the day, the last thing I really could ask for, if you could please, is word of mouth. If you know a friend who likes Bud Bros or superheroes, I've got a fucking show for them, guys. My name has been Nick James. I've been joined by the wonderful Daniel from the Reasons on Bro podcast. So thank you so much again, sir. Good night. Thank you, everyone. We have been Buds, Bros, and Superheroes, and we are out of here.